Hello, everyone. Rick Thomas here. Thank you for joining me for the Your Daily Drive podcast. This is the podcast where we put our article content in audio format so you can listen on the run. I have been writing a boatload of articles over the past several months. Ever since the COVID thing kicked in in the spring of 2020, I've been writing a lot of articles on that and politics and what's been going on in our country at large because we're just getting lots of questions about that. In fact, just an hour or so ago, there was this massive bomb in Beirut. I don't have any information on it at this point, but right on the heels of that, uh, someone jumped on our live chat and they asked uh, if they could interview me so that they could help the Christians who are struggling with this bomb in Beirut. And it's just like that. Question after question, people are really struggling. And typically, the content that I write is time is not time-dated, meaning it's evergreen. It is content that can be practicalized at any time, any generation. I write typically so that you can read my resources 100 years from now and be perfectly applicable but I have deviated slightly, not off course, because I'm still trying to help folks with the practical message of Jesus Christ, but I'm doing that in a real-time way as far as time-dated material like COVID and so forth, and that's what this podcast is about. I, I, I haven't said that uh, out loud, and some of you might have perceived there's been a slight deviation in our resources, and I thought it might be good to say that because I am feeling, not the pressure, but just I'm fielding, that's probably a better way of saying it, I'm fielding a lot of questions about what's going on in our marriages, our families, our churches, and our country, and they're all centered in some way around the same thing. And so I have been writing aggressively over the past few months, and even one of our team writers, uh, team members, Daniel Berger, has written a few articles as well, and that's helping us to get some resources out there in your hands before your eyes uh, to help you. And with that in mind, that's what this podcast is about. Let me give you the title of the podcast, and then I'll jump right into it, because I do have a long way to go, and I hope this will be of interest and help to you. The title of the podcast is An Analysis of How to Destroy a Family, Church, or Country. And so there's a lot of cross-application here. I want to do a an analysis of, of how a family can destroy itself. A local church can do similarly, and as well a country. And so I'm going to keep intersecting between those three ideas, uh, marriage, family, marriage slash family, church, and country, because what I want to share with you applies to all three contexts. And again, I trust that this will help. If you want to read this article, please go on our website, look for an analysis of how to destroy a family, church, or country. I trust that it will be beneficial for you. I listened to a podcast from Brett Weinstein and his wife Heather Hayne, where they talked about what is happening in our country and how we got this way. There's a link here to the podcast uh, if you want to listen to it here in this 
article, and they also talked about a possible path forward. Now, I'm not going to repeat what Brett and Heather said here, but what I am doing, I'm citing my reference, is that I want to borrow three words that Brett specifically used, and I want to take those three words and run them through a biblical filter, anticipating this will bring some clarity and hope to you and a path forward in bringing healing to any any family, any church, any country, especially our country. Now, one of the things that you need to know about Brett and me is that we do not agree on much of anything. He's not a Christian, from what I understand. I don't mean that uncharitably. Maybe he is, but not not my understanding. He definitely comes from the liberal side of the political aisle, and you could probably choose any other metric for comparing us, and we would be on different sides. Our differing worldviews and solutions to problems. The reason I'm telling you this is because you want to remember this as you listen to this podcast, because this is what I'm talking about, how two people can listen to each other, in this case, me, listen to him and seek unity, especially with people who are not like you, because as I wrap up this podcast, that is exactly what I'm going to ask you to do. And so if there is division in your marriage, division in your family, division in your church, division in your country, part of the solution is to, well, the solution is to unify. And I know that's complicated, but on the most simplified base level, you have to be able to know how and willing to unify with those who are different from you. And that's why I'm sharing with you that Brett and me, we do not agree on much of anything, but I know that we could have civil discourse, and that is what I'm calling you to do. If you can only be friends with or learn from those you agree with, then you are operating at a lower level of Christianity. I'm not suggesting that I dislike Brett, and I I don't mean I dislike him. Honestly, I don't even know him, but here's my point. If you choose to live in an echo chamber of parrots, you will sabotage your growth possibilities and interfere with the more significant healing that could take place in your family, your church, your country. God's common grace is on all people. We can learn from those who are different. You can learn from those who are different from you, and I can as well. And you may even be able to make peace with a few of them. I'm not so, I'm not so optimistic that I'm oblivious to reality, but you can learn from people who are different from you, and you can make peace with a few of them. Christians hold truth and love in balance, and the wise, humble person knows how to employ this hybrid for the highest good of all, which is God's fame. Sometimes in our frustration with how they do things on the other side of the aisle, we end up doing similar things by attacking them. And this reaction inevitably tears down the very structure or the very system, the very family, marriage, church, or country that we say we love. And so the three words that Brett used in his podcast 
They are autoimmune verificationism and psychosis. And I want to take those three words and develop them. Again, I am running them through a biblical filter. And I'm going to start with the word autoimmune. The three words again, and I'll explain each one and give you a practical application as I move forward. But autoimmune, verificationism, and psychosis, and how these three words work and intersect together to destroy any marriage, any family, any church, and any country. And I'm not going to leave you with all that negativity. I do want to give you a path forward at the end. All right, so let's talk about autoimmune disease. Immunity, as you understand, is a healthy body with an immune system that can distinguish between healthy and and unhealthy cells. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, praise God. Immunity attacks the foreign cells, which is the body's way of maintaining unity and wholeness and health and longevity. Autoimmunity is the opposite of this process. Autoimmunity, the body does not recognize healthy cells. It is as though these cells are moving through the body wearing a blindfold, kind of like Kind of like bumper cars. It's kind of like, yeah, blindfolding yourself uh, in a bumper car uh, context. And they will react to healthy cells, attempting to destroy them, rather than the body fortifying and defending itself against evil, it destroys itself. And you are watching a surreal illustration of a country with an autoimmune disease. It is happening in slow motion as radical cells attack good, albeit imperfect, country. Yeah, the the country is a good body, but I am aware that there are imperfections even within our good body, but isn't that the way your physical body is? Assuming that you are healthy, you have imperfections. And so what we are watching in slow motion are these radical cells. This is an autoimmune disease. It's attacking a good country, thinking that they are doing a greater good. In reality, they are killing the very thing that gives them the life and freedom to attack and destroy itself. Please hear the irony. When your body flips immunity to autoimmunity, you're not far from a debilitating disease leading to death. These radicals have been in our body since the inception of our country. They have always been here. Like our physical bodies, we're always caring about those things that can kill us in this body of death. Typically, our immune system is vibrant and plenteous plenteous enough to withstand the assaults of the radicals. But in our country's case, there has been a slow and steady building of these radicals in our, what I'm going to call, our academic indoctrination centers for decades, our universities. We are experiencing the full effect of what an autoimmune disease can do to a country. And so the first word is autoimmune. And now I want to do I want to give you an application of this descriptor that I just gave you. I want to bring it down a level. I want to bring it down a level below the country and say that we see a similar thing in the body of Christ, the church, your church, my church. 
virtually any church. The winds of change have always blown through the church. Like our country, there's always been radicals from the inception. The Lord has permitted the rise of these radicals. And then a new, invigorated, and trimmed down church would write a creed to reposition itself against those destructive forces. The strongest wind blowing in our churches today comes from the Marxist-rooted teaching of critical theory. And if you're not familiar with critical theory, I have a link here in this article that leads to another one that I wrote as I was dissecting critical theory. And it has given life to such things as social justice. The immaturity level of our churches—here's an illustration of how bad we are— the immaturity level of our churches has sunk into infighting over mask wearing. Now, perhaps what I'm saying is oversimplifying the matter for some folks, but in another sense, it's not. When you compare the horrific persecution of the early church, the not-so-early church, and the church in some countries today, meaning as you go back to virtually any time in church history, starting at the early church, some of us are pretty petty over this mask thing. We have become an autoimmune disease within the body of Christ as we are attacking each other, attacking the very body that holds us together. Now, if you want to diagnose yourself on this matter, you can assess how you think and how you talk about those who are different from you on social justice, on mask wearing, on pick your topic. If, if your position is to attack without seeking to discuss with the person on the other side of the aisle, you have the early onset of an autoimmune disease. If you want to see what this looks like, uncensored, spend 20 minutes on Twitter reading the Christian's tweets. Wait, wait a minute, I, I take that back. Only spend 10 minutes Only spend 10 minutes, because if you're not careful, you'll become like our thought leaders who seem to only have one mode to critique, to attack, to disparage. They seem to have lost their moorings on reconciliation, not even sure. They're not even sure how to even pursue reconciliation. They can only attack within their echo chamber of fellow parrots, because that's what you're going to find, because that's how the divide continues to grow. That's called grandstanding or, or preaching to the choir. And so that is how the autoimmune disease applied, whether within the church is the pettiness over uh, mask wearing and, and critical theory, but you also see this attacking happening on a larger scale, like within our country. And then the second word is verificationism. What does that mean? When people want to prove something that they already believe, they look for things that affirm their perspective. It's like a preacher with an idea. (laughs) On Saturday morning, he gets this great idea of something he wants to preach tomorrow. And so he searches for a text to confirm his notion, even if he has to twist the Scripture to make his pet point. 
Verificationism is the process of believing something and then verifying your view with any data that will support your presupposition. That is a dangerous practice, and it's not the way that you should come to conclusions. An example of this would be someone who believes that all white people are racist or all police officers are corrupt. If you position those two presuppositions in your mind, meaning this is what you believe, guess what? You will always find the data you're looking for to support what you already believed. Now, how verificationism should work is, again, it's backwards from that. What you should do, what I should do, is you should look at the data first without your pre-existing notion and let the collection of information prove you right or wrong. For example, the preacher. If the text proves his point wrong, well, then he should not preach his message from that passage. Take the idea of all white people are racist. The way you step into verificationism to verify that point that all white people are racist, first look at the broad demographic of white people. Examine all the pertinent evidence. And if some of the data prove your thesis is wrong, all white people are racist, then you are wrong. All white people aren't racist. If someone wants to know the truth, they will let the data build out their belief systems. And this is how we study Scripture. We let the Bible speak for itself, and we, we, our thoughts are, are shaped and built out of Scripture. That's proper verificationism. You see verificationism happening in, in too many marriages and families. I've already talked about the country. I've talked about the church. Now I want to talk about marriages and families. It's the frustrated wife who has had enough of her husband's nonsense. Her complaint is valid. He's a jerk. He's a manipulator. He's fill in the blank. And I know very well, because I understand my Christian culture, at some point, she can only see him as the wrong person. And the problem is, is that she doesn't, what, what I was going to say is that I, I know that there is going to be a complaint about what I just said, because I know my Christian culture. I'll speak to that in just a moment. But with this wife, at some point, she can only see him as the wrong person. And, and so she's going to fall into this wrong way of doing verificationism. She does not begin with an in-the-image-of-God presupposition. That's how you begin looking at anyone, whether it's your spouse, the politician who's, the, on the, who's opposite from you, the person in the culture who's opposite with you. You always begin, your presupposition has to be in the image of God. But guess what? This spouse, she starts with his Adamic fallenness, like the person who says that all white people are racist. If you start with all white people are racist, or if you start with a person's Adamic fallenness, if you start with a preacher with an idea well, then guess what? You're going to find Scripture to support your idea. You're going to find white people who are racist, and you're going to find fallenness in your husband because that is where you are starting. Now, this is where I know some people will read and react, or, or he, in this case, hear and react. They're going to say, let me tell you about my husband. Now, if that's your starting point, and I want you to listen carefully, 
if that is your starting point, first of all, you have sped too quickly by the part where I said, let me say it again, you have a valid complaint. Did you not hear me say that? Let me give you the exact sentence. Her complaint is valid. He's a jerk. He's a manipulator. Fill in the blank. And if your first reaction is, let me tell you about my husband, then you sped too quickly. I would never downsize any legitimate complaint about another fallen person. That's ignorant, it's wrong, unbiblical, in context of how we do things is sinful. But if your first instinct is the problem and not the problem solver, and problem solver is a capital P, if your first instinct is the problem and not the problem solver, you have early onset of autoimmunity. You're attacking the one flesh union, your marriage, which is your presupposition. And you may come back with, and this is what a lot of people will come back with, and I'm not, I'm not being unsympathetic. I'm just saying that rationally think through this. If you come back with, well, he's attacking me. Yes, I understand. He is attacking you. The, you remember the part, your, your complaint is valid, he's a jerk, he's a manipulator, fill in the blank. Yes, he is attacking you. But his autoimmunity, where he is attacking the body, attacking the marriage in this case, doesn't mean that you should be like him. A view that we see on both sides of our country's political aisle. Doing the same thing in our country, it's whataboutism. But this is what they are doing, and what they are doing is wrong. I'm not arguing the point. But when we act like them, then we have early onset of autoimmunity. Let me give you a personal illustration of this, because some of you, because I, I use the wife illustration intentionally, because I see this over and over within the church, because abuse is so rampant in our church, predominantly men, but one of the problems that people don't talk about is that, that, that women, that some women, they develop this autoimmunity where they too now are attacking and they feel justified in doing so because they are legitimate victims. Here's a personal illustration. My mother developed autoimmunity in the context in which I'm using it in this podcast when her daughter-in-law murdered her son, who was my brother. Her autoimmunity presupposition, because that's the only way that she could think about her daughter-in-law from that point forward, is to attack. And what happened is her autoimmunity presupposition turned into a cynical, bitter, pessimistic, critical person. Those are that's some of the word cloud that surrounds a person who has this autoimmunity disease. I'm sharing this illustration with you to support my claim that I understand legitimate hurt, because I do. If any problem towers over God's power to restore your soul despite what happened to you, and then you have autoimmunity, and you're part of the problem, though you were the victim. And so that is verificationism. I've talked about autoimmunity, and now I want to talk about psychosis, the third word. The psychotic person is double-minded. There is almost an element of having two minds or two competing beliefs that are running parallel to each other at the same time within the same framework, 
within the same body, within the same head. Having two thoughts at the same time should not be a problem. It's when these two beliefs stop working together for the unifying building of the person. The two perspectives are forever colliding, stepping over each other, and in a continual battle inside the mind. A psychotic mind. I'm describing to you psychosis. As you continue to interact with a person with contradictive perspectives that aggressively battle each other, you may conclude he is insane. The incompatibilities inside his head are so diverse that he has no clear understanding of himself or what is happening. Now, you bring my psychotic illustration into a contemporary setting, our country has psychosis. We have two competing ways of thinking about virtually everything. These two views are so opposed to each other that there is a growing consensus that our country is becoming insane. The other side, you know, those people over there, the other side, they look at us and they scratch their heads. We look at them and we conclude that they are psychotic too. They're crazy. Hear the irony here. Both sides seem to miss that we're diagnosing ourselves. I am in this body. I am in this country. If they are crazy, then I am crazy too. We're part of the same body. It's called America. Did you know that it's psychotic? To diagnose a portion of yourself as insane and the other part as sane? Now, perhaps you can test yourself. Just start telling yourself that part of you is insane. If you persist, you will lose your Christocentric anchor point and drift into la-la land. If you are part of any unit, marriage, family, church, country, that you diagnose as crazy, now the operative idea here is you're a part of the unit, and you diagnose that unit as crazy, you're diagnosing yourself. Suppose you believe only the other person is crazy. In that case, you will find data to support your claim, that's verificationism, and you will develop an autoimmune disease that will permit you to attack that body that you see as having a psychosis, but that unit, that body, which you have verified as being crazy, that body includes you. And because you don't see this clearly, you have an autoimmune disease and don't see yourself as being part of it, you attack it or you will die soon. If you believe you're standing outside of a body that you are part of, as though you're not part of it, the psychosis could be so permeated and complicated that you're blind to it. If you're unsure what this looks like in real life, perhaps you can listen to the rioters in Portland as they justify their actions, which they believe is a self-prescribed mandate to destroy a country. It's full-on autoimmunity using the principle of verification that has led to our country's psychosis. If you're at the place where you can recognize any of these tendencies in you, praise God, there is hope. 
If you don't see any of these tendencies in you, perhaps a prayer, asking the Lord to open your eyes, would be a rational response. All of us have the potential of the diagnosis that I have outlined here. If you believe it, then your next step is to be part of the solution. You must ask the Lord to provide you with those doors of opportunity for a path forward, whether in your marriage, your family, your church, or your country. The straightforward solution is to find who you can talk to in that group of people on the other side, whether that person is in your marriage, your spouse, in your family, a child or a parent, in your church on the other side of the aisle, in your country. And rather than attacking them, which is an autoimmune disease, ask the Father to give you the grace, the courage, the compassion, the wisdom to see things through their eyes. I'm not suggesting that you must agree with them. And though that could be a good thing, maybe you could agree with them, that could be a good thing, I am suggesting that you seek to understand them, which is the beginning of civil discourse. By the way, this practice that I've just outlined to you is at the heart of a smart counselor. You see, the counselor may never agree with the person he is helping, but he knows his first obligation to bring restoration is to understand the person sitting on the other side of the room. If he's unwilling to, one, sit, two, ask, three, listen, four, understand, sit, ask, listen, understand, he will never help. Let me say it differently. You should never believe all women, but you must understand the woman in front of you, if you expect to bring healing. The title of this podcast, the article, I want you to read it, an analysis of how to destroy a family, church, or a country. I have a call to action at the bottom. I'll not be able to get into that, but you can if you want. The first three questions are, what level of autoimmunity do you have? Number two, what level of verificationism is operating in you? Number three, what level of psychosis is affecting you? If you'd like to talk to me and our team about this article or something else, we want you to. Also, please consider all these resources are free, and so if you're able to support us, help us keep these free so we can reach more people. Please donate. Thanks so much.